Hello, I'm Felicia Vereen, always known as Fee. Hey, Fee, and I'm your girl, Sharita Three, better known as Fred. And, and we, we are Inspire Her, the Total Woman Podcast, a new podcast all about uplifting you. Yes. Because, friends, face it, you are awesome. We'll be chatting up about topics we love to talk about, all the things we as women must deal with every day and the issues we complain about. Who's listening? Girl, we'll chat about the struggle, the job, and about him. Mm. You know who we're talking about. Girl. That boo, husband, boyfriend, ex, whatever you're calling them today. Mm. Our lovely hellions. <clears throat> I mean, kids. Our angels. But seriously, friends, life happens, and we don't always get a chance to talk about it. We take it on the chin, and we keep it moving. Because that's what we were told to do. Yep. But here on Inspire Her, the Total Woman Podcast with Red and Fee, we are the friends you love to hang out with. We are here to inspire her, the Total Woman. Yes. Well, hello there, Red. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Fee? I I am good. I am good. Our, um, as people can see, I posted on my Facebook page. My, um, I work at a private school here, and our football team is off to Atlanta for the championship. And yeah. so I am wishing them online. I am wishing them much luck. Bring back the trophy again because we won okay. last year. Okay. We won several times, but we want them to bring back the trophy again. So good luck, BC Cadet. Yes. You know, I miss our high school football. Do it, does it bring back some nostalgia when we marched in the band and stuff in high school? Oh, yeah, yeah. Being at yeah. the games. I, I always say that. <laughs> How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Um, we had a little bit of sunshine today. It's been raining a lot here. I see you posted y'all great weather there. I mean, oh, it's, it's warm here, like 60, but it's like rainy. Okay. Well, look, guys. We, um, I have been trying to get somebody online to talk to us for a while now about this very, very important topic. So look, take a minute to share to your pages, call your friends, call your aunts, uncles, daddy, mama, everybody, because you guys listen, you want to hear this topic. And I'm going to say this, um, on exactly how to say it, but We've been experiencing a lot of deaths and friends and family and co-workers. You know, death doesn't have an age anymore. It used to be, you know, you thought you had to get old, you lived a long life, and then you passed away. That's not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, 40-year-olds, 30-year-olds are passing away, and they have families that they're leaving sometimes in alert. They don't know where mm-hmm. the insurance papers are. They have no clue you know, how the family is going to continue, especially if you had one income, dad or mom was taking care of the family. Mm-hmm. So today, like I said, it's, it's a very important topic. And today we have um, Kim Leah. Am I saying that right? Yes, Kim Leah. Kim Leah Reed Sherman, who is a lawyer, and she is here to help us get our affairs in order. I'm going to read a little bit about her. Her bio is, is um, pretty awesome. So we got the right person here to talk to us. Kim Leah Reed Sherman, founder and managing partner of Reed Sherman Law Firm, is an estate planning and probate attorney licensed in Maryland and D.C. After more than a decade of honorable service in the United States 
uh, Air Force, Kimlia separated from the military to pursue her childhood goals of becoming an attorney. After leaving the Air Force, Kimlia received her bachelor's degree in government from Georgetown University and her Juris Doctor and Family Law Certificate from Howard University School of Law. Kimlia's interest in estate planning sparked at a young age when her family had to make the difficult decision to remove her beloved maternal grandmother from life support. Years later, Leah's near-death experience was the gas line that fueled the spark. After receiving an unexpected and devastating medical prognosis, Kim Leah spent, spent, I'm sorry, she, I'm sorry, Kim Leah spent 87 days secretly planning for her death. Sparing her family the pain of her pending death, she didn't share the prognosis with anyone. She documented accounts and passwords, wrote goodbye letters, and planned for her memorial and burial services. Her desire was to make sure that her family and assets were protected. She had a will that she had gotten while in the military and an insurance policy. Like many, she thought that was all that she needed. However, it wasn't until later that she realized that by her efforts, neither her family nor her assets were protected. Given her experiences, Kimlia knew that estate planning was her life's ministry. She opened her firm because she wanted to educate and empower the community with the resources needed to protect their familial relationships, secure their wealth, and preserve their legacies. Kimlia is a wife a mother of two daughters, a grandson, and two grand fur babies. Welcome. <laughs> yes. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I appreciate you coming. And and all and all I did was ask. And she said, I can talk about that. Wow. <laughs> so we appreciate you coming online, helping us understand how to get our affairs in order. Because many of us, the only thing we know is a will. Mm -hmm. We really don't know anything else. So help us, help us understand what we need to do. Absolutely. Before we get started to talk about the foundational documents, I just kind of want to define estate planning because when people think about estate planning, oftentimes we think about it in the context of death. Well, planning for what happens after you die is part of the estate planning process and part of the purpose. But the bigger purpose of estate planning is I consider estate planning as crisis management mm -hmm. or um, crisis pr uh, protection, right? For Because estate planning allows you to not only plan for what happens when you die, but it also allows you to plan for what happens in the event of a crisis that may leave you incapacitated and unable to legally make decisions. For example, if you're in a car accident and you're in a coma, who's going to make decisions for you? Who's going to make medical decisions? Who's going to manage your affairs? We have, you know, some of our elder elders uh, are suffering from dementia. What happens when you have dementia and legally you can no longer make decisions? Because once you've been, I, let me let me just back up. Once it's been determined by your physician that you cannot legally make decisions, then you have to have someone step in for you. Without a plan in place, what happens is the court system, a family member may have to petition the court and the court will appoint someone to to manage your affairs. That person may or may not be the person that you would choose, right? Mm -hmm. 
And oftentimes we have people, you know, you have multiple people going to court. We often see it with celebrities when they die or when there's a crisis, they're in court fighting. When you got to go to court, you got to pay legal fees. When you got to pay legal fees, you got to pay court fees and attorney's fees. And that can become very expensive. Right. So when I when I talk to my my clients, my community about estate planning, I like to think of it in not only as crisis management, but also an insurance policy. It's ensuring your family relationships, because we know that whenever there's a crisis, there's always conflict. There's always chaos. And oftentimes relationships are destroyed. You want to think about um, securing your your assets, securing your wealth, deciding who's going to get it and finding ways, strategic plans to protect your assets. Now, the wealthy are wealthy, not because they are just wealthy. They're wealthy. Part of their wealth comes from being able to protect their assets, right? You also want to protect your legacy. Again, we see it all the time. When celebrities pass, we see family members in court, and we get access to all of their, their information because probate becomes probate is a public um, is public record. So I have to go through the records because in my capacity as a probate attorney, but I will tell you that excuse me, your neighbors. We'll get online and check to see what's going on. Well, she mm. was in that fancy car, but she didn't have no money. She didn't have an estate plan. You know, they do those things, right? So estate planning also allows you to protect your privacy, right? Oh. So there are, there are different aspects to estate planning, but I want to talk to you tonight about the four foundational estate planning documents. I want to talk to you about the will, your power of attorney, your health care directive, and your trust. And if time permits, we'll talk about probate. So we'll start with the will because everybody's familiar with the will. The will has several purposes. The purpose of the will is the one that we, we are most familiar with. Who gets my stuff when I die? Mm -hmm. You get to memorialize who, who you want to get your stuff when you die. A will also allows you to disinherit potential heirs. If you die without, an, without a will, again, let me, let me back up because I want to correct something that I said. Everybody has an estate plan. It's just a matter of is it going to be your wishes or is it going to be the court's wishes, right? So there are right. laws in place that will govern who's going to get what in the event that you die, right? So the will allows you to disinherit family members because let me tell you, people show up. I was just reading something about who was uh, the rapper that just recently died. His parents are at odds. Supposedly the dad was not in his life and now the dad showed up, you know. And Take now, off. Yes, yes. Who's going to get their assets? It oh. was, without an estate plan, mom and dad have equal access to those assets if there aren't any kids involved, right? Mm -hmm. An estate plan. Right let me say this. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot totally disinherit your spouse. I get people come in all the time and say, but I don't want my spouse to get anything. And the family law attorney in me says, well, you probably should divorce that spouse. But, you know, that's not for me to tell them. Right. <laughs> you cannot totally disinherit your spouse. Your spouse is entitled to what's called an elective share. The will also allows you to appoint the person is your personal representative in some jurisdictions. They're called your executor. That is the person that you appoint to manage your affairs when you die manager estate, your probate assets, right? It also allows you to appoint a guardian for your minor children. 
a lot of people are mistaking and believing that, well, my child has a godmom, so a godparent, so the godparent is going to get the child if something were to happen to me, so I don't need an estate plan. Well, the court does not recognize that as a legal authority, right? They see it as a spirit, as a religious, um, as a religious practice, but nothing more, right? So just because you have a point, you have gone through the religious um, process and appointing someone as your your child's godparent, that does not guarantee you that that person is going to be um, the guardian of your child should something happen. Let me say this: for those that have that are co-parenting, you cannot terminate your the non-custodial parents' rights in the event that you die. We mm. still have rights unless their rights have been terminated. However, that does not mean that you cannot say that, you know, I still want my sister, I still want whomever to take care of them and put in that document. Why? But that doesn't necessarily guarantee that the parents' rights are going to be terminated. Okay? So again, the will appoint a personal representative to manage your affairs when you die, allows you to disinherit potential heirs, appoints a guardian for your minor children, and also allows you to decide who's going to get your stuff. Mm. Now, let me say this. Who's going to get your stuff? There are probate assets and there are non-probate assets. The non-probate assets, if there is a named beneficiary, that person gets the stuff. For example, if you have someone that's named as the beneficiary of your insurance policy, that person is going to get those benefits, right? I see a lot of times you have the, the minor, well, the adult children are upset because in the will it says that my child gets everything, but the beneficiary on the insurance policy was the sister. And they're not, they're concerned about, well, why my will says that I'm supposed to get everything, but my aunt got every, my aunt got the insurance policy. Well, an estate plan does not trump a contract, a third party contract. Mm. So, your contract, your insurance policy is a third-party contract between the insurance company and the insured, right? The insurance company is not going to get into the, they're not in the business of deciding who's going to get what. If the, the name beneficiary is Aunt Linda, Aunt Linda is going to get those benefits. It does not matter what the, what the estate plan says, right? So that's why we want to make sure that we're consistent in our estate planning holistically. So you want to consider your insurance policy as part of your insurance planning, right? Mm. Retirement account, your 401 account. If you have transfer on death accounts, bank accounts, available on death accounts, you want to make sure that, you know, that's consistent with, with your, your goals and your objectives with regards to your estate planning needs, right? And that's one of the challenges that we see often is that people will create their estate plans 20 years ago. And when their children were minors and they had their sister as the beneficiary in hopes that she would take care of the kids when they, you know, if something were to happen and they don't go back and change that. Then you have the case where the spouses get divorced, the spouses get divorced but they forget to change the beneficiaries on the insurance policies. Well, guess what? That divorce, your ex-spouse is going to show up with their hand out and they're rightfully entitled to have those benefits. So you want to make sure that you're, updating and maintaining the, the currency of your the accuracy of your estate planning documents so okay. how often do you think how often should we go back and look at it and whenever there's a change or every year every year i say every, every year. year i advise my clients to go back and review their estate plans on their plan anniversary 
the anniversary of their estate plan. And the reason is because the laws change. When the laws change, that may impact your estate plan. Mm. When you have a change in, in your life, you have kids, grandkids, divorce, marriage, you know, your your relationships may dissolve or the person that you appointed as your personal representative, or I call it your legacy team, one of your agents, they may no longer be able to ha- manage that that position or they may not may no longer want to accept that role because those are those are huge responsibilities right um so do you have any questions about the will i know we kind of went through it kind of quickly but uh, so quick question this may or may not be related but my let's say my life insurance policy and let's say if i live alone should that be in in the care of my lawyer who has my um will or that person or where should i where where should we keep our um insurance policies okay so with regards to your estate planning documents i always tell people to make sure that your legacy team is aware if they don't have a copy of it they know where to find it Mm. as the attorney i don't i don't um hold on to people's insurance policies because i just don't want to get into that practice Mm -hmm. i just want to make sure that someone knows where it's at and that you do have it um as well as the other estate planning documents When you're I know, I'm go sorry. Ahead. I know my grandmother back in the day, they put all their stuff in lock boxes mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. bank. So, you know, is that still oh, yeah. a good policy? at the bank? Did you say at the bank? Safe deposit box. Safe deposit box. I'm sorry. Yeah. At the at bank. The- okay. So the challenge with that is if they are the sole, if they are the only person named on that safe deposit box and they die, now their family members have to go to court to get an order to be able to access that safe deposit box. Mm. And I but think that's what had to happen too. With your will in some jurisdictions, DC does not allow it, but in Maryland, you can deposit your will at the register um, of wills at the orphan's court. Okay. And I tell all my clients, my Maryland clients, once you get this document um, executed, take it down there, pay the $5 and get it stored. That way, if something happens, when we get ready to file the petition, we file the petition with that court and they already have the copy of the will. They already have the original copy of the will. Mm. Right. Um, any more questions about the will? Now, I have a question because um, some time ago I was, was a family member and they didn't have a registered will, a formal will. They had what was considered. And I want to know if this is a real thing because I've, I've been saying it forever. But like a poor man's will where they just write everything down, sign it and put it somewhere and tell people, you know, where it is. Some states will honor a holographic will. Some states won't. But there are certain criteria in order for the will to be considered valid. You want to make sure that it's not um, created or executed under undue, undue influence, under duress, mm-hmm. right? Um, you also want to be careful when you're executing your own will to make sure that witnesses are not people that are named in the document, right? Mm-hmm. If, you, if you have a witness that, if the witness is also there, in the document, they could disinherit themselves. You could disinherit that person by allowing them to to witness the document and sign the document, right? Oh, 
Yeah, and a lot of, I'm gonna tell you, people like to DIY their estate plan. I tell people all the time, if you're not gonna DIY your heart surgery, your brain surgery, and none of that other stuff, you should not DIY your estate plan either because it can be just as detrimental to your wealth. So what is like the cost? Um, I, I have a lawyer friend too, and I wanna say she maybe ranged from $400 to start depending on how much you have and that kind of stuff. What is the price range if I wanted to get me a lawyer to get my stuff in order? I can't give you a price range because the price varies based on the market and also based there are various factors. But what I will say is that uh, you want to think about estate planning in the context of securing your assets, securing your wealth, securing your family relationship, right? Mm -hmm. So if you bought a seven series BMW and they said, well, we're going to give you, we're going to, the insurance company says it's only going to be $400 for the lifetime of the vehicle, right? What are you gonna think about that insurance policy? Mm, probably not good. Get what you pay for, right? Right. Estate planning is an investment. Not only am I an estate planning attorney, I'm also a probate attorney. So I tell people you can either make the investment or you can make the payment. Probate, mm. you get paid a heck of a lot more in probate than you do in estate planning. So you can make the decision that I'm going to make this investment to secure my family relationships, to secure all the things that I worked so freaking hard for um, and to protect my legacy, right? Or you can say, you know what? I'm going to go to a document mill and I'm just going to fill out a questionnaire and I'm just going to have them do it and then I'm going to feel better about myself. Sometimes you create more problems when you do it the cheap way mm. do it without do what than you do without doing it at all. Um, Keisha Keith has the question, what if the document is notarized? Um, even if the document is notarized, um, if it's not properly executed, and each state has different rules with regards to how many witnesses you need or if you need a witness, if you need an attestation uh, uh, clause, um, certain things, even if it is notarized, if it's not executed in accordance with the state's laws, then it still may not be valid. So just to be clear, if I'm sitting here writing my will out with my daughter and I'm leaving her in my will because she's here and while I'm doing it, she oh, won't. Okay, so let, let, me explain, let me explain what I'm talking about when I'm talking about witness. The okay. witness is the person that's going to sign the document stating as, as the witness, the person the execution of the document, right? Typically, there's two witnesses and, and the notary. So the person that's signing as a witness onto the document if they are listed in the document, then that could be problematic. That's good information to know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very good information to know. Okay. So um, any more questions about the will? Mm -mm. All right. So I'm going to move on to the power of attorney, right? Everybody, I often hear, I could download that document off the internet. Yep, you surely can. And you can also download yourself homeless. Ask grandma who <laughs> 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 Ask grandma who gave her son, her grandson, her favorite grandson, power of attorney, and he sold her house. Mm. Wow. Had people coming in, grandma's thinking that he's going to get the house renovated, and grandma was homeless. Because the power of attorney is a very, 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 did I say very? Powerful yes. Power. Yes. You are essentially giving that person the same legal authority that you have. They can sign your checks. They can get credit, buy a house, buy a car. Anything that you have the legal authority to do, they can do as well. Mm. 
So I tell people, you want to be very, very careful about the amount of authority that you're giving someone and when you're giving them that authority. Typically, when you execute a power of attorney, it becomes effective immediately. In most cases, I tell my clients, you don't need it to become effective until you become incapacitated. So we draft the document so that it does not become effective until they need it to become effective. But if you download that document off the internet and sign off, check the boxes and have someone notarize it, it becomes effective immediately. And let me say this to you. Everybody loves their family members. Grandma loved her grandson and he loved her too. But he sold her house. Like wow. we, we hear all the horror stories about what happens when people DIY it. Also with a power of attorney, you want to make sure that it is a durable power of attorney if you're creating it for the purpose of estate planning. You want to make sure that even if you become incapacitated, that document remains effective. Because if not, there's no purpose in creating it. Now, there are different reasons that you may want to create a power of attorney. For example, if you buy a car from a dealership and they have to do the title paperwork, you have to give them power of attorney so they have the authority to do that. If your kid is going to go traveling with your best friend, they're going to be overseas or traveling wherever, and you want to make sure that in the event that something happens, they can get the child medical care. Mm -hmm. You may want to give them temporary power of attorney for that. There's different types of powers of attorney, but for the purpose of estate planning, you want to make sure that you have a durable power of attorney. When you are appointing your agents, and this is going to be across the board, there are certain things that you want to take into consideration. Normally, people that appoint people, they appoint them based on their relationship with them. Mm. They will, this is my older sister, so she's going to be my power of attorney. You want to think about that person and their lifestyle, right? I'm an only child. My mom's not my healthcare agent because I know for a fact that there's nothing, no way, it doesn't matter what I write in my document, she would not remove me from life support if the mm-hmm. time came. And I don't want to put that on her. Mm-hmm. She's gone through that with her mom. I don't want to put that on her, right? So when we hear people, sometimes, you know, parents, they want to appoint all the kids. That becomes problematic because now you got three powers of attorney, mm-hmm. three people trying to come up with can't come to an agreement about things. And then you got, now they end up in court, right? That's because they download the document off the internet and decided, hey, I'm going to do this myself because, you know, this is just the easiest way to do it, right? So they don't take those things into consideration. And I tell people, uh, serving as a power attorney, the personal representative, the healthcare agent, as well as the trustee, those can be long-term commitments. And you want to take into consideration, if you've got a child and they, they're they busy from Monday through Sunday with their kids that are aged one through six, they're probably not in the best position to serve as your power of attorney, your um, personal representative, or your healthcare agent, right? So your power of attorney can be as comprehensive or as limited as you would like, right? Uh you can create a power of attorney that just gives them the authority to write your checks, sign your checks, or to pay your bills or whatever. But for the purpose of estate planning, you want to make sure that, you know, they have the, in the event that you become incapacitated, they have the authority to, to do the things that you need them to do. Okay. Any questions about the power of attorney? All right. The healthcare director. Now you will hear it called a living will, a medical power of attorney, uh, advanced medical directive, in some jurisdictions is one document and other jurisdictions is two. But the purpose of the documents is to name an agent, a person that can make, make decisions for you on your behalf in the event that you cannot make decisions for yourself. 
And it also allows you to memorialize decision, medical decisions that you want under what circumstances, when, and why, right? For example, you can decide if you want to be on life support, what that looks like, how long you want to be on life support, if you want artificial feeding, what that looks like, and how long you want it to take place. If the doctor says X, then I want this to happen. If the doctor says Y, I want this to happen. And this is how long I want this to happen. You get to create the rules for yourself because estate planning is about creating rules based on your goals and your objectives and your family values, right? It also alleviates your family members from having to figure out, well, what would mom want? How does this look? And second guess, because when you got to make that ultimate decision, you don't want to be forever haunted by wondering, questioning whether or not you made the right decision. But if you haven't memorialized, there's no question. Mom said, if they say X and I need to do Y, if they say A, then this is what we do. This is what the, this is your roadmap. Of course, there's, you can't always, um, you, you may not always include everything because I'm going to tell you before 2020, nobody had a pandemic clause in their healthcare directive. Nobody had it. But if you have the conversations with your family members, they'll have an idea of what you want to have done, right? Because one of the challenges that I find is that when we create our estate plans, we do it in secrecy and we don't want people to know that we have an estate plan because it's like, oh my gosh, it's, it's, we got to get past that. Because I'm going to tell you, I have clients that show up for probate and they didn't even know they were the personal representative. They didn't, not only did they not know, they don't know what the heck they're supposed to be doing. And because they didn't know, and then you got the other family members that think that they shouldn't be the personal representative. Now we got to go to court and litigate. That's what I was getting ready to ask you. Do you ever come up with families that don't want that person to have power of attorney? And do they have a right to go against the no, person no. whose will it is? Do they have the right to take that person to court? Well, let me say this. You can always take somebody to court. The doors are open. You can sue anybody. You can show up to court for anything, right? Um, they Do they have the right? Uh, they have the right, but do they have sufficient uh, le legitimate reason with the, and the likelihood of success? No, probably not. I mean, I've, I've had situations where the decedent appointed my client as a personal representative and other people decided, you know, hey, I don't think she should be the personal representative. And I'm here like, your honor, this is what the document says. Uh, the person was of sound mind. There is no undue influence. There was no duress. This was a valid document. Why are we here? Right. We just have to show up, you know, you have to make the argument. But there are times when contesting the validity of the will, contesting the validity of the power of attorney is, is legitimate. Um, in the example for, well, for example, if you have someone that there was undue influence, mom, if you don't sign this document, if you don't make me the power of attorney, I'm going to kick you out of my house or I'm not going to take care of you anymore. Those things happen, right? Then you have the situations where the person was diagnosed with dementia and they didn't have the legal capacity, but the doctors didn't write a certificate, didn't, didn't draft a letter stating that they didn't have the, the legal capacity. And then you got the siblings knowing that, you know, there was some undue influence because sometimes documents get changed when people get dementia or, you know, they're sick and they got a caregiver coming in. People will go in and suddenly the beneficiaries are changed. Suddenly the documents are changed. The, the person that was a healthcare agent. Yeah, they have a legitimate concern because there is the undue influence. And then there's the 
question of fraud. So th there are situations where, you know, that is valid. And that's one of the reasons, and we'll talk about that in a minute, the reason for probate. Um, the reason, one of the purposes for probate is to validate the will, to make sure that the will is valid. It gives interested parties the opportunity to come in and say, hey, I'm contesting the validity of this will. But if they're just saying, I'm contesting whether or not they should be the personal representative, they're not going to win. But if they're contesting the validity of the will, meaning that they think that the will was created under undue influence, duress, the person lacked the mental capacity, the, the capacity to legally make decisions, um, undue influence or anything like that, then that is valid. I, do you um, find that some people have a medical power of attorney that may be different from their financial power of attorney or is it all... Yes. No, yes, and it should, and, and in some cases it should be. Mm -hmm. For example, if you have someone that you can trust to take care of your personal affairs, but if you call that person and say, "Hey, I was in an accident," and they have a total meltdown, that's not the person you want to make medical decisions for you. Or if you know that person is, you know, they're always on the fence. Well, I don't know, you know, and no, and some people just can't carry that responsibility. Um, there are people that, you know, the mom says, you know, I want to be cremated and the kids are saying, no, I'm not going to do that. That's almost, that's not the person you want to put in a position to make decisions, you know, and it's not a, a knock against that person. It's just that you have to know and respect the person for who they are and know what they will and aren't able, are and are not able to do. Right. Um, cause making tough decisions, you know, that that takes a lot, you know, and it takes a certain kind of person. And I, you know, when, when I'm doing my training, I tell we go through the these are all the things that you need to take into consideration when you're appointing your legacy, when you're creating your legacy team, even spouses. In some cases, spouses probably shouldn't be your medical agent. You know, if you've got a spouse that, you know, you call and say, honey, I just had a fender bender and he I'm not going to say she because we're not like that. He just has a total meltdown. Then. Out of respect for him. Because at the end of the day, you want someone that's going to not only be able to make decisions, but you want them to be an effective communicator. You want them to be able to talk to the doctors and understand what they're saying and be able to, you want someone that's going to be assertive. You want someone that's going to, not just because the doctor says that you should, they're just going to go along with what the doctor says. I need a second opinion. You want someone that's going to challenge what the doctor's saying, because truth be told, we are brown people. And we know what that looks like in the medical industry, right? Um, sometimes decisions that are made for us may not have may not be made for someone else. So you're going to want someone that's going to advocate for you, right? I just recently had a situation where um, the two two daughters were told that um, the mom had a stroke, and they were told um, because she had lost like 80 pounds and she wasn't eating. They told her, "Well, there's nothing else that we can do. Well, can we get a feeding tube? No, we can't force her to eat." So I called him. I said, listen, did they do this test? Did they do this? You have to ask them all these hard questions, right? They went back. I said, they, these are the things that they need to do. And these are the things that they need, you need to ask them because what they're telling you, they told them to call in hospice. Basically what they were telling them to do, that they were going to just allow their mom to starve and dehydrate to death. But the fact that she had a stroke, chances are she couldn't eat because it impacted that area of her brain, right? So then, you know, they started to do all these tests. And so that that just highlights the importance of making sure that you're very careful about who you're appointing as your agent, because they they just you know, this is what the doctor said. And this is what you know. And, you know, 
when I got the call, I was like, no, this is not how this is about to work. You know, so you want to be very, very careful when you're choosing your agents and knowing that person. And also when you're when you're creating your estate plan, have a conversation with your team so that everybody is on board and everybody understands why this person was appointed. Because part of estate planning, from my perspective, is to maintain family harmony, right? And when you have a parent that appointed the child, one child, the other kids are like, well, she must like her better. And I always knew she was the favorite. And then they don't want to help out with the mom who is incapacitated and had a stroke and physically can't take care of themselves. So now the responsibility is left with the one child, right? But that, But when mom dies, then everybody wants their part, you know? But I tell them there's a, strat there's a strategy around that too, right? Um, there's a strategy for everything. So will, power attorney, medical director. Now we're going to talk about the trust. Trust fund babies. <laughs> that yeah. that you've got to be super rich in order to have a trust. But super rich people know that if they have a trust, they can protect their super richness, right? Right. So what is a trust? A trust allows you to transfer legal ownership of your assets to this legal entity, the trust. So I want you to think about it in the most basic terms. Think about it in terms of like a box, right? You have this box, open box. We have an open box and a closed box. We're going to talk about the open box first, right? You have all your stuff that you own. You have the title to your car, your home, your boat, all your stuff, right? It's in your name. So if something were to happen to you, Let's say you got a lawsuit, you were in a lawsuit and there was a judgment against you, right? The stuff that's in your name is subject to that lawsuit, right? If you decide you're going to file bankruptcy, stuff's in your name, subject to that bankruptcy, right? But when you dump your stuff into this box, the trust, now the trust owns the stuff. You no longer own the stuff, right? So depending on the type of trust it is, will determine whether or not it's an asset protection tool or not. So you have what's called a revocable trust. The box is open. So you dumped all your stuff in the box and now the box owns the stuff. But you have use control and enjoyment of the stuff, right? The same way you did when your name was on it, right? So the box is open. So if you can put, with the box being open, that's a revocable trust. What kind of dog you got? I'm just kidding. Oh, T.C. keeps jumping in my lap. I'm trying to keep him quiet. <laughs> um, so you have the open box, right? Oh, he looks like my Rigby. Oh, um, is a mess. Yeah, he, um, the box is open. The box is open. As long as you can put stuff in and take stuff out, so can creditors and predators, right? So mm. when you die, the box closes, it becomes irrevocable. So the box that you could once take stuff in and take, put stuff in and take stuff out, is closed. It's irrevocable, you can't revoke mm -hmm. it. You can't um, make changes to it, right? Because now you're dead, right? So when the box closes, you can't put stuff in and you can't take stuff out, right? So guess what? Neither can the creditors or the predators. That's the asset protection tool, right? But for the trust fund babies, they get the, the irrevocable trust anyways, because let's say you have $500,000 and you know you want that money is going to go to your daughter for to buy a house or buy whatever, graduation, college, whatever. You put that money in that 
irrevocable trust, you cannot, as the grantor, the creator of the trust, you cannot have use of, of the principle and of the, the assets that you put in the trust, right? The person that creates the trust, the, the irrevocable trust, cannot have use personal use of those assets, right? But the beneficiaries can. That's why you have the trust fund babies, right? Rich mom and dad put all the money in the trust and their kids get use and control, but any interest, they get to benefit from that, right? So that's there are different types of trust. You also have special needs trust. Those are for if you have a child that is receiving or a loved one that is receiving any type of government benefits. Because we know that if you, if the government knows that you got money, they're not going to give you any, right? They're going to quickly disqualify you. For example, if you have a child who or a loved one that is receiving government benefits and they receive your $500,000 insurance policy, guess what? They're going to be disqualified from receiving those benefits. However, if you put those benefits into a trust, that child still gets the government benefits, but they still get use and access to those that $500,000, right? So that's how the wealthy stay wealthy. That's how people file for bankruptcy like 15 times and then they're still millionaires, right? I always wonder how exactly does that happen? Because they don't own it. They don't own it. So the trust owns it. Yeah, the trust owns it. And you can name your trust, whatever you want to name it. The trust owns it. They don't own wow. it. Is there ever any instance where that's not a good idea to put it, your stuff in the trust? Let me say, it depends on the type of trust it is. Like, the, remember we talked about the revocable trust. Now, if you got all your stuff in a revocable trust and you file bankruptcy, they're going to come get the stuff out. Right. Box, right? Um, is there ever a time that you should not file bankruptcy, uh, um, file bankruptcy, that you should not put your stuff in a, in a trust? That depends on what your goals and your objectives are. If you want to protect those assets, sometimes I have parents that say, you know what, what happens to the money is on them. I don't care. If you have adult children that, you know, you're concerned about, you know, they're, they're married and they're, they may become divorced. And once the money becomes commingled, you know, cause people are savvy. Mm -hmm. they know that the inheritance is not subject to the divorce, but once the money gets commingled and we can't figure out what's the inheritance and what's marital property, then I'm getting 50% and I'm walking away, right? You want to protect right. that. You know, putting it in a trust may be a strategy that you might want to use. But with mm -hmm. regards to, is there ever a time that you don't want to put your stuff in a trust? One of the things that I tell my clients, unless it is a uh, special kind of car, vehicle, I tell my clients not to put your vehicle in a trust. reason I tell them that is because if you're driving now 495 and you get into a car accident, and it is insured by fee, the lawyer is probably going to accept whatever the insurance gives them, right? Whatever they negotiate, right? But if it is the revocable trust of fee, people are going to see that revocable trust. They're going to think you got some extra money. So they're going to go to the doctor a few extra times and they're going to be a little more, you know, hurt and stuff like that. So they may seek, you know, so it may be, you know, there, there's different um, reasons why people don't want to put their stuff in trust. Um, and a trust isn't for everybody. But one thing that I, I do want to point out with the trust, the trust is not subject to probate. A will is subject to probate because those are not the assets in the trust are not are non probate assets. Right. 
So let's talk about probate for a minute because everybody hates probate. Everybody thinks of probate as a big bad wolf. Go ahead. Can I ask one more question? So if I put, if if I'm going to sell my house, is that like if I I don't plan on selling my house right now, but if I put my house into the trust, the, the um, irrevocable trust, revocable trust. I'm sorry, revocable trust. Mm -hmm. Can I still, if I if I decide to sell it at some point in time, how does that work? Let, let me back up because we didn't put this disclaimer out here. Um, nothing that I say should be received as legal advice. Right. As educational purposes <laughs> only. For legal advice, please seek an attorney license in your jurisdiction. So generally, uh, if you put your house in a revocable trust, remember the box is open. You can put stuff in and take stuff out. So as the trustee of the trust you get to take stuff out and do and dispose of it as you desire right so if there is a house they trust and my client comes to me and said cam you know i want to sell my house but we just put the house in a trust a year ago so go ahead sell the house you have the authority to do whatever you want to with the with the with the house sell it but what's the other one that you say is closed you if you put it in a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust, you can't take it out. You can't, you can't, the box is closed. So, okay, so you can't yeah. do anything with it. Yeah. Okay. Well, you, I won't say you can't. Yeah, a lot of work. Yeah, it, it, it may be problematic, right? Mm -hmm. So okay. you, I wouldn't advise, in most cases, unless it's, I wouldn't advise my client to put their primary home in a irrevocable trust. If they're going to put their primary home in a trust, I would tell them to put it in a revocable trust because you never know. You might want to sell it. Right. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So let's let's talk about probate. Everybody talks about probate as if it's a big bad wolf, right? Uh, let me just tell you what probate is and what it isn't. First, it is not the big bad wolf. Probate is the judicial system that governs the administration of your probate assets, right? You have your non-probate assets, you have your probate assets. During that process, they, the court wants to make sure that any creditors or any claims against the estate have been settled, taxes are paid before the heirs get their inheritance. Sometimes I get situations where people are saying, mom left me everything and I got nothing. Well, mom probably had more debt than she had assets because before you, the heirs get anything, the debts and claims against the estate have to be settled. So part of the probate process is that you have to provide an inventory to the court. You have to provide an accounting to the court. This is how the money, this is how much money was in the accounts. This is how much money was in the estate when the person, the day that they died. And this is what has happened, right? Parts of the reason that people want to avoid probate is because it's public record. Everybody's in your business and there are fees associated with probate. The court typically charges, the fees are based on the value of the estate because the court got to get their money, right? Fees are based on, and some attorneys charge based on the value of the estate and some attorneys charge a flat fee. Some attorneys charge hourly fees. It just depends on the attorneys, right? Um, one of the reasons that you should go through probate if your assets are not, if you have probate assets, for example, 
We have situations where grandma and grandpa died, there was no will, and mom moved into the house, and mom didn't go through probate. Mom died, daughter moved into the house, daughter didn't go through probate, right? This is a real story, what I'm about to tell you. I'm from South Carolina. This happened in South Carolina. Mary, taxes was $82.31. Mary had been living in her grandparents' house for 40 years. 40 years. 40 years. When her grandparents died, her mom, she and her mom lived in it. Then mom died, she lived in it. $82.31. Mary didn't pay the taxes. The house was auctioned off in a tax lien, right? Um, you have a year to, to redeem the property. When Mary went back to redeem the property, she couldn't, not because she didn't have the $82.31, but because she could not prove ownership. Part of the probate process is to transfer ownership, legal ownership of the assets. If someone inherits a house in probate, the deed has to be changed at the end of the process, right? But if you don't go through that, then you can't prove ownership. Now, granted, there could be an argument that, you know, they could have done their due diligence to verify that she owned the house. During Hurricane Katrina, a lot of the survivors did not get any federal funding, federal grants. And a lot of it was, you know, it was presented as if it was a, you know, racist, black, white thing. But the reality is a lot of it was heirs property. The survivors had moved into their ancestors' property and they never went through the probate process. So they could not prove that they owned the property or that they were entitled to the property. So, you know, the government's not, the government will find a way not to give you money before they find a way to give you money. So... A lot of people lose their assets because they don't go through the probate process. Um, and our community has lost over $350 billion in our ancestors' assets. Wow. Median prediction that the median wealth of Black families will drop to zero by 2053. Wow. The lack of zero. Yeah, to zero. The median wealth of Black families will drop to zero. Um, the pandemic has accelerated that. Um, the, la the loss of heirs' property is one of the biggest contributors to the racial wealth gap. Hmm. Now, there are some systemic things too, but you know we won't even get into that because that that's a whole conversation for a different day. But until we shift our mindset about estate planning, now I'll tell you, I have potential clients that come and they have millions of dollars in assets, but they don't want to invest in an estate plan. But yet they're on their way out of the country for two weeks on this lavish vacation. Wow. We have to shift our, our mindset about estate planning and how we view estate planning. It's not just who's going to get our stuff because a lot of times I hear people say, well, I don't have an estate, so I don't need a plan. Well, logically that makes sense. But most adults have an, have an estate. I will say if you have body as part of estate planning is deciding who's going to manage your health care if you can mm -hmm. if you have children who's going to take care of your children children have gone into foster care until the court can figure out what who gets the kids yeah. now imagine a five-year-old that has lost both of their parents in a tragic accident and now they're in a foster care system that just exacerbates the pain don't think because grandma is a good grandma, the court's going to give them the grandma. That mm -hmm. doesn't always happen. 
Don't think because your sister is a good sister, the court, that doesn't always happen. Estate planning allows you to create rules based on your goals, your values, and your objectives for yourself, your assets, and your family. Wow. Right, because I know for me, I don't want people spending a ton of money on a casket and a ceremony and all of that. I want to be cremated, have me a nice memorial family dinner and take my money and spend it, you know, on my child, you know, something that. Well, you can memorialize it, put it in your plan and right. let the right people that's going to honor your wishes. Right. Yeah. Right. I, 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 the same way. I, I see. I see no value in going to buy a new dress for a dead person. I see no value in buying a super expensive coffin. I told my husband, just put me in a pine box and put me in, a, in, in the dirt. Cause I mean, there's, there's, I mean, I just don't see, I just don't, for me, it's not practical. I'd rather that money be spent either on my kids, my right. grandkids. Or but we do things for show. We do things for show. That's, not, like, that's, not, that's not my life. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want not. you taking the money and, and, and buying a extravagant dinner for the people at, for the people that's gonna come that haven't talked to me in five years. I'm, that's I'm what you about cake. It wasn't no good cake. That's what they're gonna talk about. Cake didn't taste good. I'm gonna tell you, I'm a cake. You know, I don't eat a lot of junk food, but invite me, I'm having cake. I want cake. Mm -hmm. So that's why I, I wanted to do this. I presented it to Sharita and she said, Yeah, people need to need to hear this. And um you have done more than what we expected, you know, I, you, you, I appreciate it because we don't know this stuff. We are clueless. We think a lot of times as professional black people, and it doesn't have a color, but we, we think we know. And then we get in the situation. Mm -hmm. um, I know some people now that are in the situation and things that they thought because their father was, professional and had this and that and this and that um yeah um and it's it, it what you thought happened as far as insurance and everything is not the case and one of the things that i tell people is that um you don't find out that what you need to know until you need to know it and then it's too late um i've had people first of all i don't get an argument with people on social media if i'm giving you information for free that i charge people for and you want to um, refute what I'm saying because this is not what happened to your cousin or this is not what happened to you. Mm -hmm. Like the rules are different and all it takes is one factor to be different for the outcome to change. And that factor could be the difference in, in the judge. Wow. I mean, even with life insurance, a lot of us don't have life insurance. It's like, you know, to see someone of our age having a GoFundMe page. Yeah. You know, and then I know some circumstances where they may have found out they were illness, they had an illness, and you know, it, nobody would give them a policy. I mean, that's different, but I mean, just to just people just not having life insurance policies, you know. And I, I made a post the other day, I don't know if you saw it, but I it was to parents, and it probably should have been to kids too. Um, love your kids enough to plan in advance. I get a lot of times when parents don't want to talk about it. You know, it breaks my heart when I hear, you know, a young adult call and say, you know, I tried to talk to my parents last year for them to get an estate plan. And we got into this big argument about it. And now both of my parents are incapacitated. Mm. And 
I'm an only child, right? My mom didn't have a choice but to get an estate plan because, listen, we're not, I'm not doing this with you, mm -hmm. right? I'm not fighting with your sisters. I'm not fighting with anybody. I'm just not going to do it, right? Like, there's no reason for you not to have an estate plan. Um, I think part of it is that we have to shift our mindset about how we view estate planning. You know, the older generation, for some reason, believe that if they talk about it, they're going to die. One of the things that, that, that I talk to my clients about is we have to shift how we talk about estate planning. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to meet the person where they're at, right? If family relationships is important, frame the conversation from that perspective. If control is important, frame the conversation is from that perspective. Mm -hmm. If money is important, frame the conversation from that perspective. You know, and that's how we get to through to our people that are resistant about mm -hmm. planning because it's not just about what's going to happen to your stuff when you die. Like to me, that's the least important thing. The most important thing is maintaining family relationships. Yes, which a lot of them break down mm -hmm. after someone passes away, especially if it's a matriarch or patriarch of the family, mm -hmm. yep. and or if this person has assets or money. Mm -hmm. And not even that, just, you know, simple like the funeral arrangements. And a lot of times people are grieving and we don't always think clearly when we're grieving. So, yeah. And your point about grieving is when you have an estate plan, you allow your family to grieve. Oftentimes, mm -hmm. if there's no plan. We got to look under the mattress. We got to run around and try to find mm -hmm. these documents. We got to figure this out. We got to stress. There's no time to grieve. So you're also giving them the gift of grief because everything is already done. Like all they got to do is just show up and execute what you've done. But if they're trying, and, and I'm going to tell you, I spent 87 days in the midst of the storm trying to plan my own memorial. And I will tell you, there were days that I couldn't even make decisions about what I wanted to eat, let alone making decisions about, you know, what's going to happen. So I can tell you that when you're in the middle of a storm, the decisions that you make are going to be different than when you're on the other side of the storm or before the storm. Mm -hmm. so. so when you make an estate plan and all of those, the wills and all of that stuff, is that something that's filed with the courts? The only thing that's filed with the court is the will. And, and some states will allow you to file with the courts. Like I said, DC does not allow it. Um, mm -hmm. The register of wills in Maryland does allow that. Um, it just depends. But I do tell my clients to, well, I give my clients, I'll just tell you what my process is. The first step in my process is the education piece, right? When they call me and say, hey, Ms. Reed Sherman, I want to do an estate plan. We're going to do the one and a half hour training. Mm -hmm. We're going to do the estate planning blueprint from what is an estate plan to talking to your family members and everything in between, right? Then we have a discovery call. We talk about what their goals and objectives are. Then we, um, I get another questionnaire. We complete that questionnaire. Then I start drafting a document. Anything is inconsistent with that conversation, what they have in the document and what they told me before. Then we have another meeting. Hey, you know, we talked about this. This is what you said. Now this is what you have here. Let's flesh this out. Right. We'll talk about it because sometimes people don't know what they want until we have the conversation. Right. Or they'll think they want something. And then when we start talking about it, you know, I have cases where the parent doesn't want to leave one kid something because they have a lot of debt. Mm -hmm. I don't want, you know, he has liens against him, his assets and I don't want. Okay, well, there's a strategy for that. You don't mm -hmm. have to inherit this person, but there's a strategy for that, right? Um, so to, my, to, to your question, I tell my clients, at least make sure that your agents know where the documents are. 
if they're in your safe, someone needs to know how to access those documents, right? If you're not comfortable with giving them copies of the documents, let them know where they're at. But what I tell, well, this is this is a strategy that you can use. Um, you can give them a copy of the documents and an envelope and the envelope is sealed with your signature across the seal and tell them, you know, I may have to get this document back. If they know that the document's sealed and if they unseal it, you're going to know, they may think twice about unsealing it. But mm -hmm. if these are the people that you're trusting to make these decisions for you, if you don't trust them to see the document, then you might may not be the person that you want to trust to make decisions because eventually they're going to have to see the documents anyway. And if they see the documents and they know that um, <clears throat> they are familiar with the documents, then it's, it's easier for them to execute them. Now, your power of attorney, I understand if you have reservations, but you can create the power of attorney that it doesn't become effective until you need it to. Okay? You don't have to get original, but you might want to consider whether or not you want to give them a copy of the documents. Okay. I mean, so what are they going to do with it? The will doesn't become effective until you die. So what are they going to do with that? The okay. power of attorney doesn't become, you, you can create it where it doesn't become effective until you become incapacitated. They can't do anything with that. Healthcare directive, you kind of want them to know what you want in the event because in the event of the crisis, they don't have time to be flipping through any documents trying to figure it out at that time. You want them to know because time is of the essence. Okay. Again, we got to get past this, you know, hey, I don't want nobody to know I got an estate plan. I don't want to. We got to have conversations like we got to continue to have conversations about this. This has to become our norm, because until it becomes our norm, we're going to continue to see the Chadwick Bozeman where the attorney gets nine hundred thousand of his three point one four million dollar estate. That was uh, the, attorney that was got the attorney got more than the parents got individually. And people are like they, they don't understand why, as an attorney, I find that problematic. I'm also a mom. Nobody should get more than me as a mom because they, yeah, but that's a whole different story. Hmm. Uh, Aretha Franklin, her estate was valued at 80 million. When they were talking about, oh, her four sons are going to get 20 million each. I was like, no, they're not. Um, 28 million immediately goes to the federal government for estate taxes. Now she's already paid income taxes on that money. Well, some of it. She ended up having to pay, the estate had to pay like seven more million dollars, but yeah. So by the time that $80 million immediately went to $2 million, mm. about $28 million. Now you got to pay all these lawyers. You got to pay the administrators. You got to pay the court fees. You got They'll be lucky to get $10,000, $15,000, 5000 Wow. That's how, that's how we need it. So. so you're only licensed to do it in D.C. and Maryland? D.C. and Maryland. You need to have a Virginia too. You a question? <laughs> you know, initially I thought about Virginia. Yeah, too well. Virginia too well. So, yeah, 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 too well. Like, Virginia's too loud. No, wow. Too we have to get in Georgia. <laughs> We're in. I'm in Georgia. No, Virginia. You, well, when I took the bar, you had to show up in your suit to take the bar exam in Virginia. Like what? Why? Like that's there's no there's no reason behind. Wow. Like, that's just one of the crazy things that Virginia does. But anyways, um, no. Yeah. But what I do, I, I do offer training. I do offer more in-depth training uh, nationwide. Well, maybe, maybe we can. Okay. So, so, so let me think this thing out because I'm really seriously, I want to know, I want to know 
how before I go to a lawyer, mm-hmm. what I you know, I already want to know because I, I just don't that's what I offer that. in the training. And for those that are not like that are not um, residents of Maryland and DC, I also talk to them about these are the things that you need to take into consideration when you're hiring an attorney. And this, and I just I really right. want to stress it. I'm glad you brought it up because. Since the pandemic, there has been a lot of attorneys that are jumping on the estate planning and probate bandwagon, but mm-hmm. they're not taking the time to invest in learning estate planning and probate. Um, my process, and I tell people, if you just want to complete a questionnaire and get a stack of documents that you don't understand, I'm not the attorney for you. Um, I want when I give you the stack of documents that you have that you understand what they are. I want you to be informed when you're making decisions. I don't want you to fill out a questionnaire and then expect me to just um, create this documents that's going to work for you and your family without me even getting to know who you are. And that's mm. the reasons why I have multiple conversations with my clients. Um, we have multiple meetings. Sometimes we have four meetings. A lot of attorneys don't invest that time. But the reason I do it is because if I'm just having my first conversation with you, or if I give you a questionnaire, you're not going to tell me, you know, Kim, I'm concerned about my daughter and her husband and I don't like him. And if she gets the door, mm-hmm. You're not going to tell me those things or you're not going to tell me, well, you know, I have a son and he mismanages his money or I have a son or a child who has substance abuse issues. You're not going to tell me that in the first conversation. Right. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I get things out of people that they don't necessarily say, but I'm looking at the body language and I'm asking questions. or I'm looking at how the spouse is uh, interacting with the other person. And I'll, hey, guys, listen, Um, in order for me to create an estate plan that's going to work for you, I need to know what's going on. There's no judgment. I just want to make sure it's better that you tell me. If not, you're wasting your time and your money. Estate planning, the value is the planning part, right? The paper that I printed on is going to be value, is going to have the, it's going to be the same as the paper that the guy that gave you the questionnaire is going to be printing on, right? But the value is in the planning, right? I need to get to know you. I need to get to know what your concerns are. I need to get to know what your goals and your objectives are. You know, I want to make sure that my daughter's going to school. You know, I was thinking about um, having my oldest sister as the uh, guardian, but you know, she's always out of the country. These are some things that you need to think about. Well, you know, I wanted to point my, my oldest sister as my, med- as my healthcare agent, but you know, she's indecisive. These are things you need to think about. She's on the West Coast and you're on the East Coast. Um, well, time is of the essence when it comes down to medical decisions. Maybe you need to make her your primary, but you need to have a successor, but that successor is gonna be your primary until that person shows up, right? You know, those are the kind of things that, you know, that's why I don't necessarily subscribe to the um, complete the question. Well, I don't subscribe to the complete the questionnaire and I give you some documents back. So how do you deal with somebody that's, or what did you say? What would you say is like, Lord, this is a lot. This is overwhelming, but I know I need to get it done. Is it like breaking it down or because it, it can sound overwhelming, especially if you have a lot, you know? So what I tell them is that it's also going to be overwhelming to your loved ones, right? It's going to be even more overwhelming in the midst of the crisis than it is now. But let's take this one step at a time, right? We're going to do the training. You're going to get the opportunity to ask any questions that you have. I'm going to walk you through the process. Mm -hmm. So it sounds overwhelming, but it's not. It's even Mm -hmm. with probate. You know, I get clients and they're like, oh my gosh, I got to do No, we're going to do one thing at a time. I'm not going to give you more than you can handle at a time. Now, I will say sometimes clients just, they want to pay me. And they just want to fill out a questionnaire and then they want a stack of papers back. I just don't do that. I will give you your check back. Mm. I have no reservations with doing that. Like this is personal to me. Like this is not just like I'm doing this because this is what I get paid to do. Right. Like, 
I'm very passionate about it. You're not going to invest the time. Don't invest the money. Because mm -hmm. the time is more valuable than the money right now. Right. It's almost like you're convincing that you're having to convince them to do what's best for them and their family and their loved ones. So yeah. like yeah, I I you should see the value in this. Yeah, and most clients, you know, once they go through the training, they do. It's just that they don't want to take the time to do the paperwork. Like mm -hmm. they just don't take the time to do it. And it's, it's not hard. You know, it's just information that Paperwork. I need. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, you fill out this questionnaire. And for the most part, I've already talked to you about, you know, all the things. And sometimes people are challenged by choosing their agents, right? Well, I don't want my daughter to feel like your daughter got seven kids. When is she going to mm -hmm. have time to manage your affairs? Because when it comes down to it, when it comes down to taking care of her kids or taking care of your affairs, she's going to take care of her kids. You know, mm -hmm. don't she... If you have the conversation, and I even invite in my training, I tell them, if you know who you, you, you're thinking about appointing as your agents, invite them to the training. They get to invite up to, mm. four to the training. So that way, you know, they understand, right? So that's pretty much it. But it, it sounds overwhelming, but imagine not having your stuff in order or your parents not having their stuff in order, and then you have to take care of it. That's overwhelming. So even though you don't practice in Virginia, do you offer the training to other people? Like, could I take oh, your training and pay yeah, for you? The, the training is educational. I do the training people from the from across the country. Yeah, I do the training. Um, and right now the training is one-on-one, -on -one, like like we're doing now. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm transitioning to uh, automating it so that it's not one-on-one. -on -one, and then we do the discovery call. And then the discovery call is one-on-one. Um, -on -one. But... Um, yeah, I'm wondering if we could do like a group type of training. Maybe we could come I mean, because we got people that are definitely interested because it's just certain things have just happened recently. And I was wondering if we if we did if we could get a group together, could we do something like that, like an online um, training from you? Because I would prefer to hear all of this stuff from you, then go find my a lawyer in Georgia. So if they're telling me something, I already know this don't sound right. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Yeah, I, and like I said, I, I even talked to you about what to questions to ask when you're hiring your estate planning attorney. Because there are estate planning attorneys and there are attorneys that do estate plans and they are very different. Right. Because the attorneys that do estate plans, and this is not to disparage people, this is just the reality, right? And I see as a probate attorney, I see what happens when people fill out the paperwork and then they don't know what they're getting. You know, I have couples that, you know, one of them die and the other person thought that this was going to happen and this is not going to what happened. And then now it's costing them a lot of money and could potentially cost them to lose a house and mm -hmm. stuff. So, right. yeah. And this, this, yeah, and this will help understand it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I think gotta, this is all because, I'm sorry, babe. No, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I think this is awesome because it will keep your family from fighting once you're gone because everything is already in place. Well, I'm going to say this. I'm not going to say it's going to keep them from fighting. It's going to minimize the likelihood of fighting because, you know, there's always yeah. that person. It's always that one person that's going to fight regardless. The one person that's going to go in and start taking big mama stuff out of the house before they even pull the plug. That person. I think that's the truth. That, that is so the truth. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, you know what? I know that what you told us when you first came online and look, we are right on time. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been so a I thank you. I thank, thank you for coming and yes. sharing. 
And Kobe thanks you too. <laughs> he looks like my Rigby. He does. Oh. Gosh. Well, I, I have him too, but I locked him. I locked him out. So yeah, I used to have but. a Yorkie. Um, he transitioned, but I have uh, uh, Maltese and a Yorkie and something else. I don't even know what the other one is, but they're both white with the little red face, red around the eyes. Mm -hmm. So uh -huh. anyway, he's so precious. Yeah. Thank you. I'll see him next we week. We definitely appreciate you. Oh, and Latoya, you are listening. We appreciate you for recommending her. And um, we, I will, I will get back in touch with you because I'm serious. I knew a lot of people who need the training, and um, you know they can take the training and go to whatever lawyer they 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 see fit in their state. And um, they'll be better for it. They'll know what to look mm -hmm. for in a lawyer. They'll know, you know, what to ask and how to handle the questions. So I, I appreciate you. Well, this information so has been awesome. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you. it. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Have a good night. And happy holidays to you. Thank you. Same to you. Be safe. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right. That was, that was, that was awesome. Um, trying to think. Oh, that that was awesome. I mean, like she gave us a lot of information and things that we need. We need to know. People think that this kind of conversation is so morbid. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about death. Well, we need to because COVID showed us. It left some people. It left some families. I mean, imagine if you are a mom, a stay-at-home mom, and you mm -hmm. have kids and your source of um, finance dies. Right. Your income. And then you you are clueless as to where his, you know, what insurance, um, any of his information. Imagine, imagine what happened. I know that happened. Yeah, it's a scary situation, you know, and I would prefer to know. Yeah, and it's definitely prompted me. I need to do it myself with my will and, you know, get my stuff in order, too. Um, yeah, J.D., you just put your affairs in order. I mean, because you just never know. Um, I need to work on mine. So let's, all right, Pete, so let's give us a deadline to have at least started working on our stuff. Well, listen, I want to I want to um, get back with her and have her do a training for us. Mm. So you know, we can for any of those for any of you guys who would like to participate in this training, just um, on this post, say include me or I want to attend or whatever, because that information that she gave us was awesome. And she's very personable. You know, mm -hmm. I'm going to you know, talk to you like you're an idiot. You know, I want to know what I need to say to this lawyer here in Georgia before I go to him. And if I can sit with her and get this training, that would that would be great. No, so I, I want to yeah. mm -hmm. I agree with you 100%. I like it that she's real with it. It comes back with what ever yeah jd i'm sorry to hear about your husband's death 
it's like building a house, start with the foundation and work it up. What I've learned since my husband's there. Yeah, we are very sorry about your loss. Also, yeah, they did one of our class of our JFK class of 90 classmates. Um, yeah, you, you just never know. You just never know. And so I think after we have that training, then we can give ourselves a deadline to get it done. Because, I mean, I would hate to hear that anything happened to you. And I'm sure you would hate to hear anything happen to me and our families were clueless as to how to, you know, I value the assets that I have. And mm -hmm. I want to make sure that my daughter, if something happened to me, um, I have a, a family member who is in charge because my mom will probably be up in age and my daughter, you know, she'll probably, she, she, she may be an adult at the time. I not, I don't know when my end will come, but I want to make sure that if my mom is still here, she gets taken care of as well. Mm -hmm. Tawanda say include her. Oh, that's a cute profile picture, Tawanda. Um, yeah, she she dealt with some probate stuff after her mom passed it without you know putting too much out there. So um yeah, so we definitely need to get that stuff. Um thank you. I'm thankful he put my name on everything shortly after getting married. And that protected you, JD. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna think about this trust because I you know I I have some things that um they need to be protected you know and yeah definitely something to to um to think about and i have a friend that's going through this right now as we speak mm -hmm. um, so I, I i saw him on here so hopefully he's gotten this information and he can you know he can do the things that he needs to do but guys look we like i said yeah. Or and and Red has said as well, we are here to inspire you in any way we see fit. So if there's anything that we're going through, we talk to each other and say, "Hey, do you think this would be good to to um talk about on the podcast?" And um, we we looking around us and we are seeing so much death, and it's people younger than us, our age, older than us. Um, and it's it's just no it's just no expected age to it anymore as it has never been. But now we're just seeing it a lot more, and we just thought that it would be a good opportunity for us to bring this to you and to bring this uh, lawyer to you who knows she knows her skill upwards, sideways, yes, back forward, and yeah. she's she's not afraid to give you her opinion. Like she said, any of the information is. Um, not to be used in a court of law. I mean, this is just her giving you some information because we asked her to. So we appreciate you guys for listening because yeah, it is without you all. And please share, share, because I know there weren't a lot of people on here, but a lot of people like to um, listen to it and replay. And um, I will edit it and put it out there in audio. So if you're in your car, you can listen to it as well. But please share because this is information today. We like to have fun, but this was a serious podcast. And I'm just sorry, this was a serious episode. And we think that everybody needs to hear this information. So please share. Yeah, absolutely. And I was jotting down stuff. I was like, okay, well, I could just go back and re-listen to it. Because, you know, she was, she was kicking a lot of information. And even just going back to... Um, if something were to happen to you, a a answering these questions, like if this happens, 
do you want this and this happened and you want that that's that was a lot yeah. right right uh I would definitely need somebody to walk me through it because you know I thought you know having a will um and putting it somewhere and letting people know where it's at was enough but she let me know today that I need to be thinking about that trust mm -hmm. <laughs> I was thinking that too and who would take my dog that you know even if you got animals I'm not not no <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Kobe. But Auntie Fifi is not taking you. <laughs> Kobe down there to Savannah or either to Wanda to take him. She'll be glad to have Kobe. <laughs> Go ahead, Tawanda. Go ahead. Um, see Tawanda say, hey, Kobe, and um, love you. And Tanya talking about he bad. I know you and Go Kobe. ahead, Tawanda. You can have Kobe. <laughs> Mommy, Auntie will send you some snacks, Kobe. But <laughs> But guys, thank you. And we are going to say, um, Sharita, you got anything else? No, I think this was awesome. Are we taking a break? Um, oh my God. We just had to mention that. Yeah. We are. Um, this is our last episode until January. I think it's January 12th something like that we need mm. some time to, to celebrate to come up. Um, enjoy vacation i'm coming to virginia Ooh for the holiday so um listen guys we're gonna get together somewhere i'm posted i want you guys to come out and hang out with inspire her one night in, in richmond virginia we're gonna have some fun i don't know what mm -hmm. we're doing yet but we're gonna have some fun I got we some ideas. I got some ideas. Maybe we can go live somewhere too, and just okay. do a little. Mm-hmm. Richmond, Virginia. I'm coming twenty first through the twenty eighth, twenty ninth ish. I'll be in Richmond. I am so excited, y'all. I'm I'm excited to come home for a little while. So look out for us. We're gonna we're gonna um, post somewhere live in Richmond. And we want y'all to come online if we decide to go live, but come hang out with us. We, yeah, want, to see, we, want, to see, we want to see your faces. All right. And we will, this is our last episode until January 12th. We'll be coming on doing little things because I know I um I have some um goal training to do with you guys. I said I was going to list out some things. Um, that you need to do to create your goals prior to January, because we want you guys, we want you guys to succeed. We want you to hit 2023 alert and able to get started and make all your dreams come true. So we will be posting little things in between that time, but look for us somewhere in Richmond. And also we'll be back around January 12th and we got some good stuff coming for 2023. So pay attention. And our Inspire Her Retreat. Tawana, I know I owe you a conversation. I will send you an email. For everyone else, you are trickling in, um, but your deposits, if you're planning on hanging out with us, we only got a couple spots left. Um, your deposits are due now. And for those who need to make um, second payments, that will be out there soon. So 
if you're coming to Hilton Head next year in February, get on it, guys. That's around the corner. It is. And we're looking forward to seeing you. We're going to have some fun. So yes. I'm saying good night. Have a wonderful, wonderful holiday, guys. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. You're going to get that from us for these next couple of weeks because we are excited about the holiday. Yes, but we are. We love seeing you online and we hope you have you and your family have a wonderful holiday. All right, I did all good night. We're signing off now. We are here to inspire her, the total woman. Yay.